Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Aquil Jackson, and we have a very special show for you today. Today's guest needs no introduction. He has 36 years of coaching experience. He's not only my good friend, but former head coach, and that's Chuck Pagano. Chuck, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, DQ? Thanks for having me, man. Oh, uh, man, thank you for uh, doing this because you were definitely one of the people that once I, you know, got the podcast going, I was like, I have to have his perspective and I have to have him on. So uh, with that being said, you're newly retired. What is retirement life like? Because for you, like I said, you have over 36 years of coaching experience and now you're home with Tina. Now, you know, Tina has run the household for many years now. Uh, What's life like been for you now that you're retired? (laughs) Yeah, you probably experienced the same things, you know, being back in the house. I know playing is a little bit different than coaching. Um, you have a little bit more time at home. But coming back into the home full time, you know, right. you and I both think right. and, and a lot of us think, you know, wives have nothing to do. Their whole life is, you know, revolved oh. around us and our career. And that's sure, sure. Not the truth, you know. And so I'm lucky I had a, 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 you know, a little chance to get used to this in 2018, you know, when I was let go okay. and I was, I was off for, for a year and there was a couple months there where Tina finally just said, Hey, time out. This is, nothing. <laughs> right, you've right. got to find something to do. Um, I have a life, I have friends, you know, I've been doing this on my own for a long, long time. So retirement right, right. is great. DQ. We're living in, in Boise, Idaho full time. Now I got all three yeah. daughters here three granddaughters, my grandson, Bear. So we are living a we are living a great life. We are very, very blessed. No, that's great. That's great to hear. And and you hit it on the head. That first year of retirement was different. Being at home full time, not knowing where silverware was and just little things that you just don't pay attention to. Uh, So we were talking briefly offline and the purpose of me creating this platform, right? Athletes Unplugged is to dive into the person. Obviously, we know we recognize you for what your huge contributions to the, the the collegiate game and the NFL game. Uh, let's start back in Boulder, Colorado, and Fairview High School. You as a strong safety, two years there. What was life like for you, Chuck Pagano? Because your, your father, Sam, is a legend in Boulder. And I did my research. I had to go back. And, and a lot of those team meetings that you brought him up, I really had to go back and do a deep dive to see, okay, is this guy truly a legend or what? And he seems to be that, you know, three state titles, uh, uh, coach of the year, two years in a row. Uh, he was definitely, um, in my opinion, definitely a huge influence on your impact, you know, as a young person. And ultimately, once you finish college to, to move on to coaching. Yeah, definitely. And you you did do your research and, um, you know, he was a uh, made a huge impact, you know, on me. Um, tried to talk me and my little brother, you know, Johnny coaches at the Broncos right mm-hmm. now, seven years. Um, he's the outside linebacker coach there, but tried to talk both of us out of, out of coaching just because he knew the life. Um, right, you know, he knew right, we both probably wanted right. families and things like that, but, um, right. you know, I had a great experience, you know, at Fairview high school, you know, playing, playing there, playing under, I grew up, you know, in the locker room. Well, I grew up, you know, picking up jocks and socks and, and towels and yeah, all that yeah. And watched him, uh, you know, how he coached the way he built relationships. So, um, you know, at an early, early age, a lot of the things that, you know, I carried throughout my playing and coaching career was, you know, directly because of his influence, like you said, uh, on me and, um, you know, very, very successful at, at what he did. And uh, the yes. biggest thing yes. was, you know, the relationship part, you know, and, you know, I'm a relationship mm-hmm. guy. No doubt. That means, uh, that means a whole lot. Um, so, I, you know, I got to see him firsthand. I learned that from him firsthand and, he was tough and he was demanding, but first and foremost, it was about the player and the person and, and the family and all those kind of things. Right. So was your father, because you're one of my, you know, I know a lot of guys will echo what I'm about to say, but you're one of the most inspiring and motivating coaches I've ever played for. Was your father similar to that? Like that, that to me, that was a gift. That was a gift for someone not only to know the X's and O's, but to also be able to lead men week in and week out and to motivate when things seem not to be going as, as planned. You know, you were, you had a, you had a gift. And I always thought that was very unique about you that you gave a damn about your players and it resonated through everyone. So is that, is that another trait that you, that, you know, you actually uh, could contribute to your father and how he kind of went about his business? 
he was, um, you know, he was a fiery, you know, passionate, mm. you know, coach. And, you know, I right. saw, I saw a lot of those things, you know, obviously growing up and then, you know, playing for him. Um, I appreciate, you know, you saying that DQ and um, that means, you know, the world to me uh, to hear those uh, things said and especially coming from, from you and, and uh, you know, means, means a lot, but um, yeah, I learned, uh, you know, not only the X and O stuff, and we know how important the X and O's are and things like that, but mm -hmm. I think, you know, uh, especially when, when times are tough. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, credit, I credit you, you know, um, we can get up there and do whatever we have to do to, you know, keep you motivated, especially in those years where, you know, we had some, we had some injuries and they were lean mm -hmm. years, 2017, 2016, you know, right. Um, but I credit you and your, your teammates, you know, um, because you don't, you don't have to listen. You don't have to do this, that, and the other, but you guys were, 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 you know, Paul Revere, so to speak, because we used to talk, you know, and oh, I appreciate in, that. You, know, you made it easy. You made it easy on us, man. Uh, you know, yeah. from the place that I had been for eight years, you know, that was a, uh, a carousel. Of so I heard it all at that point. You know, I was with you going into year nine and, you know, I'd heard it all. I, I can't even count on one hand how many head coaches and coordinators I've had. So I felt like I had a PhD in knowing what to expect from a head coach. And when I got there, you were about three things that really stands out to me to this day. It was the three F's, family, faith and football. And anyone walking into that building, anyone that was in that building knew that was the core of who Chuck Pagano was. And uh, you made it easy. You made it easy on that front. So uh, you made a, a, a huge impression on my life, Christina's life, uh, and a lot of other guys. And I'm sure over time, now that you're retired, guys will be able to reach back out and tell you just how much you meant to their career. And I'm telling you that now. So uh, you've made a huge impression on me. Um, so let, let's go back to, so I, I, as I was looking up some of your background and I realized, you know, you played at Wyoming, you was a four-year starter. Uh, you know, you, you spent some time at USC for like you had a couple of tea at USC. Like, what was that? Did you ever have any inspirations to to play at the next level or did you already know? Because I know the transition fix from college to figuring out that next move is difficult. And so, you know, and, and we can relate to it uh, compared to, you know, our professional career and now transitioning to life after football. So what what was that transition like for you as a young man? You know, did you all did you know right away that you wanted to go into coaching? This was something you wanted to do because you mentioned your father didn't want you guys to do it at all. Yeah, you know, we all dream. You know, starting <laughs> right. corner, you know, youth football when we first <laughs> done that helmet. You know that we all had our heroes that that we you know got up every every Sunday and rooted for and all those kind of things. And we dreams are one thing, but reality is another. And mm. the reality was that you know. Right, you know, when our pro day hit, and right after I ran my first forty, looked, <laughs> you know, all the scouts and, and they're just, you know, they they got their watches in their hand, and they're just shaking their head like, <laughs> I just kept running DQ right to the <laughs> right. guidance counselor, and I said, how many hours do I need to graduate? Because point, I was going to need my degree, but <laughs> right. I knew, you know, I I knew right away that I wanted to coach, I wanted to, uh, you know stay in stay in football um you know just the competition i, I knew i wasn't going to play but i wanted to be a part of the game and no doubt there's nothing there's nothing like the locker room there's nothing like being a part of a team you know being being done as hard as that is yes. um, the conversations that me and you had um mm -hmm. you know when i'm done you know that's the hardest thing for us to do is find our our next right. life's work right. and get over not being a part of, of a team and the locker room and the, right. and the fellas and the brotherhood and, and right. all that stuff. But yeah, I knew I, I wanted to coach and I was fortunate, you know, right away, I got a GA job at Southern Cal. You mentioned that I was there a couple right. years. I went yeah. on to university of Miami and GA my first full-time job was here in Boise back in 1987. Okay. And so I was just very, very fortunate uh, to be around a, a lot of great mentors, a lot of great coaches, especially early in my career. Um, yeah. And, and be able to, you know, move around 17 years in college and then 18 in the National Football League. So, wow. Uh, uh, very, very blessed. You know, I never, you know, 
was like, hey, I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach. I want to be a head coach. That that kind of just, you know, the stars aligned, you know, uh, lined up, you know, exactly right, you know, one day. And we lost an AFC championship game to the Patriots back right. in 2011 when I was at Baltimore. And I don't want to get ahead of, of everything. But no, we're good. Able to have that opportunity, you know, in Indy was, you know, obviously a, a dream come true. And, and, uh, you know, one that, uh, you know, obviously you, you never forget those times, but I was very, very yeah. fortunate along the way because I had a ton of uh, uh, great mentors. Yeah, so I noticed you speaking of mentors, uh, Butch Davis was a name that was a common thread. And I went back, you know, as you mentioned, USC, you spent time in Miami and Boise and UNLV. I noticed uh, Butch Davis was actually the D-line coach at USC when you had your first, you know, GA job. And I noticed throughout your, your coaching tree in the collegiate ranks, you guys ran into each other again with the Cleveland Browns. And obviously the 1995 to 2000 years uh, when Butch Davis was the head coach in Miami, you know, let's stop there for a second. I mean, those are one of the greatest, some of the greatest teams to, to, to play the, the collegiate game. You know, you talk about your time there, you were there for four years and you coach, I believe it was four first round draft picks. And I want to get into the nuts and bolts of your coaching experience. I want to give you your flowers now of how good of a coach. And I, didn't, I, I knew it with my three years with you. But when I went back and, and, and saw the impact and the guys that you coach, it started to make sense. And you look at your time in Miami. Um, there's four names that comes to mind. Uh, Mike Rump, Ed Reed, Philip Buchanan and Dwayne Starks. Those were four guys that you coached at the University of Miami that were first round draft picks and what, five years you were there. Let me ask you this, a guy from Boulder, you go from Boulder to USC, Boise, UNLV, now you're at a place like Miami. And listen, I grew up four hours north of that place and it's a different, it's different cats in Miami. It's a different world in Miami. So how, do, how does a guy from Boulder just fit in with guys like Ed Reed and Ray Lewis. You were there, you know, uh, Warren Sapp. How did, how, what was that adjustment like? Was, because I know that that wasn't an easy, you know, kind of shoe-in situation. I've never asked you that, so I'm very curious to hear your words on that. <laughs> yeah, again, you know, starting out, you know, I GA'd Southern Cal. You mentioned that, and then I went to Miami. So I was there in 86, you know, with Jimmy yes. John. Dave wants to, you know, took me, yes. took me down yes. there. You know, Dave was at, at Southern Cal, and then you could only GA for two years at a school at that time. Really? So, and, and so after two years, you, you had to either, you know, get a full-time job or try to find another opportunity um, to uh. keep coaching. So Dave reunited back with Jimmy at Miami in 86, took me down there with him. Tommy Tuberville, you know, who you know that name. Yes. Tuberville now, we don't yes. we really Together. We lived in the dorms. We were in charge of, oh, wow. of all the players. Jerome <laughs> oh, wow. Brown, you know, Michael <laughs> uh, Benny Blades. Yeah, know, Benny Blades. Yes. Jerome, I mean, all those guys, Winston Moss. And so having been been there for a year in 86, you know, and, and understanding the dynamics of, you know, mm -hmm. South Florida, the University of Miami. It takes a special it, cat to it, be able to deal it, with that. Dade County, um, mm -hmm. you know, so I kind of had a head start on, you know, what that, what that, you know, whole environment was like, what those players were like. And so having an opportunity to go back there in 1995 with Butch to coach the secondary and then special teams and then being around all those great players was and and Butch, obviously I was with him for 10 years and um, had a huge impact on on my my life and my career, and, and forever grateful for him for the opportunities that he gave me. Right. But you know, again, you you go back to the leadership and the mentorship. Was, you know, Jimmy taught me a ton. Butch taught me a ton. Dave taught me a ton. But right. you know, it, those guys are great players, and the players right. that you mentioned that I was around. I mean, I was so fortunate to be there, number one, and then to have the opportunity to, to coach. Uh, players like Eddie Eddie Reed, not only at the collegiate level, but in Baltimore, you know, as right, well. Right. And Dwayne right. Stark and Mike Rumpf and Philip Buchanan, and we could go on and on and on. And man, you know, it's just they 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 made it easy. You right. Know what I mean, they right. made it, they wanted you know 
they wanted to be, you know, great football players. They went there, you know, they loved the school. They loved the area, um, you know, great academic situation. Mm-hmm. But all those players were getting put in the National Football League. And, and so, again, I was, I was fortunate uh, to be around some great mentors, some great coaches who, who, who taught me, you know, the things that were most important, not only about foot, the game of football, the X's and O's, right. the fundamentals, right. the technique, all that stuff, but yeah. just dealing with people and building relationships and right. how, right. how important uh, those things were. And I got a little, you know, I got a little bit of swag too, you know, so it's only fit that you were down. Yeah. Like, we're brothers from a different mother, you know, you know, fake it till you make it. Where are my Ferragamos? <laughs> oh, yeah, your Ferragamos. <laughs> those kind of those nice suits on. But yeah, know, yeah. Some unbelievable times down there. Yeah, that's 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 awesome. So you, you've had a great influence of, of coaches on your, your, in your without your in your coaching tree. What is your you know, when I was able to play for you, where, where does your your defensive scheme? Where did that come from? Who was your influences influences on, you know, your schematic? approach to the defensive side of the ball yeah so early on you know Artie Gigantino was the defensive coordinator at Southern Cal we were uh, a 3-4 setup kind of like we were you know in in Indy when you came to us um so I Jack Del Rio Dwayne Bickett were the two outside linebackers you know at the yeah yeah that's yeah I didn't know he played I didn't know Jack ever played Jack was there you know Jack Wow. Uh, Jack caught, played baseball as well. He's a great athlete, and he caught wow. Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson was a pitcher. I don't know. Yeah, left-handed. Oh, yeah. I remember Randy Johnson, but I think he was yeah, I remember. and threw 120 yep. miles. Yeah, left-handed. Um, mm-hmm. But so learned a lot there. Dave Wanstead at Miami. Jimmy Johnson was uh, a huge influence, and Jimmy, you know, they were they were over front. Our, we had two fronts, Canes and Canes G. And mm-hmm. two check three was the was the coverage. We didn't. We got into a little bit of quarters later on, you know. That <laughs> right. system, but we were very very simple because mm-hmm. we had great players. And Jimmy always said, you know, it's not about the X's and O's; it's about the Jimmys and Joes. Got and it. Jimmys and Joes were better than everybody else's. Jimmys. No doubt. So we no just, doubt. We just put them guys out there. We made it very very simple, and we let them hunt. And, right. And boy, did they do that! So Jimmy was huge. Butch. You know, being around Butch, uh, Butch was a defensive line coach, as you mentioned. Uh, he mm-hmm. was with Jimmy for a long, long time. The same wow. threads ran through. You know, we ran the same system. Um, yeah. It evolved, and we had more coverages and, and things like that, but um, ran the same thing there at, at Miami. And then at Cleveland, we ran the, the same system. So uh, yeah. those guys, yeah. those guys were, were huge influences. And a guy I played for, Rocky Long, you know, in college, uh-huh. he was my defensive coordinator. He was the head coach at San Diego State here recently for a number of years and did a okay. great, great job. He's at New Mexico. Now He's he's got to be 70. He's still going. I, I, wow. I don't understand how these guys can do this. I wow. Mean, I, I can make it to 60. And I got <laughs> my health and family and stuff. I'm checking out. <laughs> right. It'll kill you. But all those guys <laughs> right. had a ton of influence on me. That's great. That's great, man. And I think you can still do it. I And I, this is a rhetorical question. I don't want you to answer this, but I feel like when Bear Charles gets old enough and you get in the routine of you dealing with the grandkids, you're going to be right back at coaching because you bleed this stuff, man. It's it's in your DNA to get back in here, to, to, to stand in front of a, a team and motivate and, and to some capacity. But right now, I don't want you to answer that because uh, Tina wants you at home. Bear Charles, a, a hell of a, a great name, by the way, Bear Charles. Um it's your first grandson, right? Yeah, first one. First, first grandson. First boy. First boy. Oh man! I, I, congratulations to you, man. So let me let me go back. What what went into? I want to go back for a second. What what ultimately decided? You know, you decided. You know what? This is a good time to you know take a step back and and enjoy the family. You have three daughters and uh, what four grandchildren? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And what what does what went into that, Charles? It's like. I, I've been around you, man. You love this shit. You absolutely love it. And you make other people love it. And, you know, to see you with a smile on your face, doing well, uh, you know, it seems to me you're in a great place. I see you on the Pat McAfee show once a week. I tune in. You know, it's hilarious just to, you know, reminisce some of those good old days and talk ball. Uh, what went into that, man? I, you know, what went into you just decide, you know what, this is the time to really pull back. And I know COVID and you had to coach through a, a really, you know, unconventional circumstance with COVID. And 
I know you had some health scares in the past. And, you know, what went into that that decision? All those things. I mean, you touched, yes. on, touched yes. on all of them. And, you know, yes. going through the, you know, the cancer journey in 2012 and coming out of that, you know, on, on the right side, thank God, um, you yeah. know, you just, you have, it just puts great perspective. I've always had pretty good perspective. You know, yes. I really took any day for granted. Um, but it just, it just, you know, there's more important things, you know, we're, I remember I always just say, Hey, we're coaching and playing a kid's game. Yes. You know, yes. Are, but you know, there's, yes. there's more important things in life, you know, our families, our kids, our grandkids, yes. all those things. And, yes. and I just, the COVID, you know, being just isolated and separated mm -hmm. and distanced from the players and the, right. I mean, the whole thing. And, and uh, I mean, that was just kind of like the icing on the cake for me, just saying, right. Right. You know, and I've been blessed enough to where Tina and I could sit back and, and walk away, you know, on our yes. own, terms, you know, and not, right. not forced out and just said, Hey, you know what, you know, the family, my wife, our kids, they, they've sacrificed so much for so many years, 36, 37 years, whatever it was. Yes. You know, I think it's now I got my health. I'm in good shape. You know, it's time to go spend some time and give back, you know, to, yes. the, to the family. And, and, um, you know, I can tell you, I, I miss it. You know, I miss it. Yeah, I know. I know you do. We I all, miss. we all do. Yeah. I miss competition. I miss right. game day. You know, those, right. those, those locker rooms, those winning locker rooms. Yeah, yeah. Even the tough, the tough locker rooms, the tough losses, where we learned so many great lessons. But right, right. The, the stress-free Sundays now. <laughs> I know it's beautiful. You know, because me, and it's, it's locker, beautiful. we don't have to live and die. You know, <laughs> right. going on, and, and we can talk about it on Monday, Tuesday. You know, no I'm, doubt, no doubt. You know, it had it has me on his show. It's it's kind of my football fix. Uh, yeah, yeah, football. yeah. And stay connected that way with you know, all the coaches that I still know and, and contact and bug all the <laughs> right, right. But yeah, so that that is it's uh it's a perfect segue to what I'm gonna say next. So this past weekend, as you know, and first of all, I want to thank you for making that video. Uh, I told Christine, I was like, I haven't I haven't cried that much ever, and it was all happy tears. Uh, so I thank you for you know, being a part of that, it, it meant the world to me to have you on that. And, uh, you know, Christina really, really, really did it up for me this weekend because, you know, I'm not the type of guy, listen, I, you don't know, you, 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 you know, the, the relationship, you don't know how people perceive you. And it was good to, to, you know, to hear that. And I don't want to go into much detail about that because that's a private moment, but you mentioned, you know, staying connected to football and, I was with the Browns uh, last weekend, as you know, they inducted me into the, the newest class of Browns legends. So I had a chance to to go back and visit with Jim Brown and Eric Metcalf and all these guys. And it was really good to to be back in that mold. And I was on the field on Sunday and I hadn't been on the field. I haven't been to an NFL game since I was done playing. So for me, that energy came back that like. I don't know how to explain it, Chuck, but it was like, I was like, man, I start feeling my body. I'm like, shit, I'm not. Nah, I can't do it. I can't. My energy was there, but my body was telling me, hell no, you cannot <laughs> do it. So I understand completely. And this next year will be five years for me that I've been retired from the game. So I, I get it, man. I get it. It's a it's a tough transition for anyone. You've been in this game 30 some 36, 37 odd years coaching and you've been a part of it. It's been a part of your life. It's been who, you know. Your father did it. Your brother is currently the outside linebackers coach for the Broncos. So this is who you are. This is who you are in a sense. But, uh, you know, it was definitely a, a, it was definitely different. You know, it was it was so much. So Christina tapped me and she asked me, she was like, uh, how do you feel? You know, I guess she saw a look on my face that she hadn't seen before before game day. So uh, it was definitely there. You definitely miss it. Like you mentioned, the camaraderie just the back and forth, you know, seeing you dress up on Saturdays in your Ferragamos, you know, it's just, it, it, it was, it's a beautiful time that you don't realize the moments that you take for granted until it's gone. And so uh, I respect you for making that decision when you did. I know Tina is, is more than thrilled to have you home Someday. probably right now, probably right. Yeah. I was going to say probably right now, you're probably driving her crazy. <laughs> but uh, so I want, I want to highlight some of the things that I don't think we talk much about, just how 
you know, we touched on your impact with Miami and the guys that you coach. And, you know, some of these guys are shoe in Hall of Fame. Ed Reed just was inducted into the Football Hall of Fame. You know, you go to, you know, my, you know, the, the place where I spent a ton of my career, the Cleveland Browns. You know, the Cleveland Browns hadn't been known for doing much of anything as of late or in, you know, very long history ago. But, you know, I, I had to pull some stats, man. And I realized everywhere you've been, you made your mark. And your first year there, you guys had a, a career high. I don't know if you remember this. You guys had a career high in the, in the NFL that year of 33 interceptions. And, you know, 2003, you guys, it's probably still a record to this day. You guys only gave up 13 touchdowns in the air, you know, from a secondary standpoint. That that record probably still stands to this day. Uh, my question to you is, what, how have you been so successful, man, everywhere you've gone? And then you go from, you know, to Oakland and then North Carolina, you're the defensive coordinator. And then, in my opinion, you get to Baltimore. And in Baltimore, you know, you have Ray Lewis, you have, you know, Suggs and Ray Lewis and all these guys. And again, you're going into a situation where a lot of coaches would be intimidated. And I know you have the track record with some of these guys, but veteran guys, in my experience in the league, when you get a coach that walks into a situation and they know you're a player and what you mean to an organization, two things happen. Either you 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 stand up to the challenge as they will, but for whatever reason, you've been able to be successful everywhere you've been. And when you got to Baltimore, I, I'm curious, man, because I used to watch these guys when they played us in Cleveland. I would be off the bench when our offense is up. I wanted to see how Ed Reed communicated, you know, Ray Lewis communicated, how a well-oiled machine operated. What was it like to be in that locker room and see those guys operate at such a high level? It was um, everything you can imagine, you know, being oh, around – you know, so many Hall of Fame, uh, you know, players, you know, you start with, you know, Ray Lewis, because he set the tone, you know, the yeah. expectations were, yeah. and everybody that came there, they knew mm-hmm. from the jump what the expectations were. Mm-hmm. You know, John Harbaugh did a phenomenal job. I was very, very lucky to get on with him in 2008, coach of secondary there. And, you know, but Ray, the expectations were what they were. I mean, we had this deal on the wall, and Jared Johnson, uh-huh. uh, you know, outside linebacker, uh, along with Sugg, played opposite of Suggs on the other side. You know, there was this thing called the circle of trust. Yeah, yeah. And every morning you walked in there from the first time they put it up with every season. I mean, mm-hmm. jersey number or your initials were either in it or they were outside of it. Mm-hmm. And it could be just outside the circle, close, or it could be on a different grease board on a different wall. Right, right. So that meant something, especially like for myself, you know, where's the CP? Every day you walk in there and you say, oh, that doesn't mean anything to me. Bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. No, it's, you want to be accepted. And, and, you know, like you said, I mean, because as a player, all you want is a coach that, you know, is is going to be upfront with you, be forthright, tell you the truth, right. treat you like a man, keep it a hundred. But right. also a guy that right. can take you to the next level, get you to the next. Yes. Level, yes. You know, and help yes. you as a, as a professional, get to a pro bowl, get to a super bowl, whatever that mm-hmm. is, you know. And so, you know, when you walk into those situations, um, you know, you got to know your stuff. I mean, Samari was on one side. Chris McAllister was on. Yeah. Ron Landry, Ed Reed, you know, Suggs. Alodi Nada, Ray Lewis, Bart Scott. Yes. I mean, I can yes. go on and on and on. You go on and on and on. Kelly Gra- I mean, these guys. So as a player or a coach, you better know your shit. Otherwise, right. they're going to look at you kind of sideways and go. <laughs> Damn right. And then they're going to ask the boss, hey, who brought this dude in here? <laughs> right. right. So right. The expectations were, you know, and so you had to, you had to, you had to show up and you had to, you had to be there every single day, you know, and, you know, again, race, race set the tone. And it was funny, you know how guys on Friday or Thursday, you know, want to get out of rep or mm-hmm. here, this, that, and the other? Right. Ray would right. never come out. Right. And it would piss right. like Suggs off and Jared and, and Elodie and all the all, – because if he didn't come out, nobody else on defense would take a, no. take a play right. off. Oh, man. Out. That's what you I miss, man. I, I, he, I really – And he sat in there every single day. I mean, going into year 17, you mm-hmm. know, he had his iPad out, he had his notebook out, he sat in the same seat and yeah. under 63 sky – 
he had heard it two million times installed, right? Right. And every time right. we put it up there, the slide up there, and start talking about it, mm -hmm. he treated it like he'd never heard it before. And that's right. what made him so great right. and made everybody else, you know, in that organization, that defensive room in particular, so, so wow. great. And, you know, the brotherhood is, is something that you understand. Um, yes. You know, and, you know, you mentioned, you know, going into Cleveland Brown legend and in the Hall of Fame at the University of Maryland, you know, mm -hmm. um, you're a special, special dude. You know, you're a great player, but a better person to quell. And, I appreciate it. You know, Christina reaching out and, and making, you know, let me be a part of that journey, just a small part of that, that, that uh, video and stuff. But yeah, what, I, you got to be so, so proud of yourself. Your family's got to yeah. be so, so proud. But the way you impacted, you know, your teams that you played on, uh, mm -hmm. the locker room, uh, the players that you played with is, is, you know, is incredible. And again, most guys don't take the time to do that. There's mm -hmm. only a few, like Ray was always in that facility. Right. You were always in that facility. Right. And I right. was like, when, when I asked, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. You need to talk to oh, it was, guy. it was, it was, yeah, no brain. You know, these guys are hard headed coach. I, I know, but we, and you always did. Yeah. Always yeah. Did the time to be a great mentor. And you know, as well as I know that not every player is like that. It's like, right. get in, put your work in. And then when it's five o'clock, the bell rings, they're out. Right, and they're, they're out. doing their own thing, but being the unself yeah. person that you are, I mean, that's why you're in that. I saw you dancing on the side. <laughs> you know, you know Webster Slaughter, that was his thing. So I was like, all right. You know, you know, hair on the back of your neck, head. I can't even imagine how exhilarating that feeling was. I mean, yeah, it, it was. It, 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 legends that you're in there with, man. Oh man, it, it was it was special, man. It, it really was, and that weekend I can't even. I'm still having a high off of it because you know I, I the one regret that I had being a Cleveland Browns was so Jim Brown in my early days he would always show up like once a week or a couple times a week, and he would always go to um, the player development guy was named Jerry Butler. He would go to his office and he would have a chess set just set up. Right. And me, I'm young. I, I never played chess. I'm like, is this a checkerboard? Or, I didn't know what the hell I was looking at. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, you have a conversation with Jim, you know, it's like your father speaking. You're, you're at, at attention. And he mentioned to me, he was like, hey, young Buck, if you want to learn how to play, I'll teach you how to play. When he would come in the building, I always had, you know, I found some other reason not to be in that moment. And and I had a chance to, you know, tell him this this past weekend i was like you know that's my one regret i never you know followed you up on you teaching me how to play chess and he still plays today and it was just good to be back in that moment chuck and uh to be appreciated and they gave us a nice sport code and they're they're sending us a, a nice rolex watch i mean it was very good to just to you know the eight years that i spent there i, I gave him my everything you know and and like you mentioned you know you you bring up a a moment with the colts when there was a guy that was a linebacker and he would have been, I'm not going to say his name, but if it wasn't for some other stuff off the field, you know, he probably would have been a, a top draft pick and you and bring him in. Same guy. Yeah. Yeah. When you bring him in, we have this. Yeah. We're not going to say it. Yeah. And I woke up every morning. He couldn't pass the, the, the run test for training camp. And I remember during that time, I really wanted him to make it. I really wanted him to get out of his own way. Because he was just, you know, I, I saw what what allowed me to do that, Chuck. And I'll be honest with you, I saw a lot of myself in him. If it wasn't for people that helped me direct that energy in a positive light, so that's probably partly why I did what I did in that building. And I really wanted him to make it, man. And unfortunately, it didn't. But you know, um, that's one one of those moments in my career. I look back, it's like, man, what could I've done differently? To help this young man and you know you can't help them all but uh, i really wanted him to make it man because he had a ton of talent ton of talent um he just couldn't figure it out above the shoulders you know um so let's go back let's switch gear. let's go back to our days in indy man uh 2012 you know you take over a team that's two and 14. um they're no longer bringing back peyton manning and now you have the whole world on your shoulders and it's a huge it's you know you, you get the head coaching gig, you know, 
Andrew Luck, in my opinion, at that time, it's a no-brainer. He's going to be the number one overall draft pick. But you run into, you know, what was the biggest fight of your life. You know, you got diagnosed with an acute uh, form of leukemia. Um, can you touch on it, if you will, in your own words, what what that moment was like for you and Tina and your family? Because I can imagine, you know, that was not – it was unexpected and, you know, it was something that no one plans for. You know, what was that What was that like, the, just the initial – you know, I, I heard you do an interview talking about it briefly about, you know, it was during a bye week, no one was there. And, you know, you had to deal with it the best way you can. You know, what what was that moment like for you? Yeah, it's or that journey, I should say. It's like, like, you know, getting hit, hit across the head with a two by four because yeah. we all know people um, in our right. lives dealt, you know, with cancer and heard yeah. those heard those words. You know, you always think you're right. going to be the person to ever hear that or never hear that. Right. So, right. yeah, right. it was definitely one of those moments where. You just get your dream job and you right. say, you know, why me? You know, right. you put me in this situation right. and and now all of a sudden you're going to throw, you know, a big hurdle at me, a huge right. obstacle. And, right. you know, I go back to, you know, the third game of the season, we're playing Jacksonville and we're one and one and mm-hmm. we take the lead. Andrew takes us down the field and we take the lead with 56 seconds left on the clock and we kick off to him a touchback and, they throw right. an eight-yard skinny post to Cecil Short, Cecil. Lane Gabbert, and we sure. lose the game. And we have the bye the next week, and we walk in that locker room, and I said a few words, and then Robert talked uh, like he always did. And he right. came in and said, look, we'll man up. We'll come in tomorrow. We'll watch this tape. We'll make the corrections, and we'll move on. And there's no pity parties right. in life, and there's no pity parties in football. And I remember sitting there when I went down to Simon Cancer Center that Wednesday, afternoon with my wife and Dr. Kripe looking me in the eye and saying, hey, look, I'm 99% sure that you have leukemia. You know, promyocytic yeah. was what it was, and it's a form of leukemia. It's highly yeah. curable. We're going to do a bone marrow biopsy and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and next thing I knew, I was in the OR, and they were putting a pick line in my arm, and then I was admitted right. into a room. And, and that was right away? I never got to leave. I, I thought, oh, you know, wow. I'm like driving down. I didn't even tell Tina and, and, mm. you know, hammer comes down along with the yeah. team, Doug Robertson. And they said, no, you need a ride. I said, I don't need a ride. This is nothing. This ain't going to be anything. I'm going to go right. get checked out. I'll, I'll be back in the facility, you know? Right. And, uh, they said, no, you need a ride. So they knew the severity of it. I didn't know. Ah, uh, I see. Once I, got, once I got down there and met with the oncologist, Dr. Cripe, he's like, you know, this is what it is. And you just sit back for a moment. And I said, like, why me? You know, right. Tina and I are very emotional. And then I remember what Robert said, you know, there's no pity parties, you know, in football and there's no pity parties in life. And I said the same thing. I said, okay, God damn it. Right. You know, right. Me what my chances are. Give me the game plan. Tell me exactly what right. happened. We're going to kick this thing's ass. I'm going to be around for a long, long time for my wife, you know, right. my kids, and I'm going to get back to this football team. And, so it was yes. like a mindset, and we learned mm-hmm. from playing football. Right, right. I was, yeah, I was going to say you were, you were, you were prime for because there, there was one thing that I I heard you mention and say over and over and over again during that time. It was uh, live in vision, not in circumstance. And no, absolutely. I, and so my vision was, you know, that I was going to beat cancer. You know, walk right. two daughters, you know, down the aisle. Yes, yes. And we were yes. in a Lombardi trophy. And so, you know, yeah. I spend so much time now, you know, because I'm blessed to be around and gone through that where so many people reached out to me, DQ, that I didn't know yeah. during that time and encouraged me. And now, right. you know, Tina and I have an opportunity, uh, you know, to do the same for others. And that's right. my one thing I always do. Any book that, you know, that I sign for them, live in vision, not circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's easy to go to the circumstance as well. No doubt wasn't meant to be. This is just how right. it's be and it's time to check. No, you know, get a vision, get a mindset and then, you know, go to work on kicking that thing's ass, whatever it is. And you can overcome right. anything, you know, as long as your faith right. is strong and your mindset is right. But I was very, very lucky. I was at the right place at the right time. And, and, uh, yeah. and, and you did some incredible things. You did some incredible things that when I was there, I remember 
you actually wrote a note. I guess you got a fan uh, letter from a guy named, I believe his name was Alex or Aaron Alex or something about him losing his father to, um, you know, battling cancer. And you wrote him a note. And the only way we all knew was because he posted it on social media, what have you. So, you know, for the people out there listening, like you, you were a huge inspiration for a lot of people. And I wasn't with you at this time, but, you know, the entire league, even people where I was in Cleveland, you know, everyone took notice. You know, it was it, it wasn't a coincidence that, you know, the team shaved their heads and cheerleaders and trainers and everyone got behind what became the Chuck Strong movement. And now you have gallows to support cancer research. And it was just, you know, things like this, you know, you were put in you were put in that place for a reason to ins- inspire a lot of people. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in, you know, the, lo- the man above doesn't put us in situations we can't handle. And you were you epitomized that. And so uh, you're still an inspiration to a lot of us. And, you know, you went on, you know, you, you battle back. You're able to you address the team, I think, the last week of the season or so forth. And, you know, I show up some years later. You have nothing but winning seasons. And 2014 hits, which was one of my favorite moments of my career. You know, <laughs> there's so much that happened for me, Chuck, that we've never had a chance to talk about. I rem- One of them being, you know, because I was up in my years of playing, Hammer, Hammer and uh, EB approached me. It was like, hey, you know, we want to cut your reps down throughout the course of the week. And I look at them like, what? Wait, what? Am I getting I'm, the first thing I went? To, I was like, am I getting cut? Are they trying to get rid of me? You know, I mean, I'm like, I don't know what the hell is going on. I'm like, no, no. I'm, so I fought it. I fought it, man. And, you know, I think either you or some, you know, other people had to come to me and make me make make sense of it all. It's like, hey, listen, we need you for after in January, the playoff run, you know, in my mind, you know, my eight years in Cleveland, it was week one through week 16. You know, you realize quickly that there was no January. There was nothing going on at that point. But uh, I remember you sitting me down and, and and it was the best thing that happened to me. It was like, listen, we're going to modify your reps. And I tell you what, when you start doing that for me, I knew I had to return the favor. I had to go out on Sundays and play my ass off because I knew that was a luxury, you know, and and, and you were giving it to me. And I knew how other guys would potentially perceive it. Oh, why does he get special treatment? I mean, we had an older team. We had um, uh, A.B. there, you know, Robert Mathis. And we had a very – C. Red was there. We had a very older team. So it only made sense for, you know, guys to kind of, you know, take – not time off, but, you know, modify reps, if you will. And that year was, was special and, and, and all that, right. You know, we get make to the, make it to the AFC championship game, but before that in the regular season, I have to bring this up. And I know Pat has talked about it at the endless degree. October 18th, I believe it was, we were playing the Patriots home game. This is the one time Chuck, when I was there, I couldn't talk to anyone after the game. Christina wouldn't even look at me. I was crying like a baby after the game. We lost to the the Patriots, a home game. And I remember the situation like it was yesterday. It was like 21-24, middle of the third quarter, and we decide we want to out-Patriots the Patriots. And you know where I'm getting at, right? Yeah. I never had the chance to ask anyone about this. I've heard, you know, after that moment happened, I just let it go. We moved on. I went to the next week. I never had a chance to ask Pat this, even when we took the trip to Japan. What what actually happened? It was a great it was a great tool to try to get them in a substitution error or whatever the case may be. But was Griff not supposed to be there? Like what happened with that scenario? That it was if you remember, I mean, it was all on me. You know, because No, you can't put it all on. No, 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 no. It was a great idea. You know, Tommy McMahon, who I got great, great love and respect mm-hmm. for in Denver now mm-hmm. running their special teams. You know, we came up with this deal and you mentioned everything and to try to outsmart, you know, and out, out Patriots. Which it made sense. It was a brilliant idea. You know, but again, Gathers was the guy during the week when oh. we practiced. Clayton was the center. Okay. Yes. Gathers got hurt. 
in the game. Oh, During the week, right. I went in, I stuck my nose in it, and I told Colt, because there was under no circumstances are we going to snap this thing. No, right, right. right. So the last person that knew was Griff. Because he was <laughs> right. back up. I don't think he got any reps. So right. that's another right. reason why I should have just put the kibosh on it once I – No, but he's, he's, a, he's a Stanford guy. You know, he's a – there and then we had you know grip in there we shouldn't even put those guys in that position but then i said no okay if they if they don't bite on this or whatever it's like they knew we were going to do it right take a delay a game and adjust it perfectly they didn't do anything they thought which is no <laughs> a check right. coach team right especially right. special right. teams and, and defense but you know so Colt, i take Colt. all fails fails and the clock's ticking down rather than burn a timeout go up under center you yeah. know hard you know, see if those three or four guys that were standing over the top of those two guys right. during the game, see if we can get them <laughs> right. and get the first right. down. Right. So that's that's on me. I take no, no, you can't. No, 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 yeah. Chuck. No, no, listen, listen. No, no, Chuck. No, I'm not gonna let you jump on the sword like that. No, 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 no. I Griff is a smart guy, he's a Stanford guy. I know he, you know, he probably read the scout report if it was a typo or whatever. Like, you have to know at that point. Your, your, your football instincts have to click in at some point. It's like, you know what? We're outnumbered. It's, I'm at center. Colt is underneath me. And there's like three guys hovering over. Like, you cannot snap that ball at that point. So I, I appreciate you wanting to jump on the sword. But no, I'm not going to let you do that. No. <laughs> hell no. No, no. Hell no. Hell no. Man, no, man. Because we lost by seven, right? I think we lost by seven. And, you know, you look back on some of those things and, the beauty yeah, of but it, you, you can't take that about, one. I get it. I, I, I get it. <laughs> you know, the the worst thing about it, DQ, is like every time somebody makes a bonehead error, you know, during a season, it doesn't matter from here until whatever, until I get put in my last suit, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they have to show that. Like something crazy happens bad on special teams, then they go back and they show all the egregious special teams plays over the last 20 years. And that's <laughs> right. always going to come up, you know. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm a part of something as well that year that, you know, if, if you want to talk about, I, I have to bring it up. I have to, Chuck. I can't I can't let you get out of here without bringing it up. The whole deflate gate stuff. Do you know, my one of my agents at the time, he was getting married. This is after 2014 AFC Championship game. Uh, my agent gets married and his wife is actually from Boston. And I'm probably going to out him right now because I was the only client that was uh, got an invitation. And he told me straight up, he was like, listen, um, try to come up with a different name. You know, her family are pretty, you know, they're Boston people. They, they, they're they in touch with their sports. So I'm like, all right, cool. So me, Christine and I, we both go. And I tell you what, after the, you know, they said their I do's and all that within like 15 minutes. You know, they got, you know, drink star flowing or what have you. And I'm literally at the bar getting ready to order a drink. And her uncles looks looks at me. I was like, you look familiar. I'm like, nah, I just have one of those faces, you know, just trying to brush it off. And uh, he was like, wait, I know you. Your name is what's your name? And I made up. So he was like, no, you're you're the fucking he was like, you're the guy. For deflate. I mean, it, it, it took on a whole life of its own. I had to leave the wedding. Because it they, they kept drinking and it just got it, it got too it was too much. It was too much, Chuck. So I ended up leaving, man. So that that's one of my um, you know, I couldn't go to Boston, man. So what what the hell what's your what's your story behind that, man? Like I, I had no idea. I'm from Cleveland. We didn't win games. I didn't know. I remember when I first signed and Robert Mathis, he uh, you know, he was trying to give me a tutorial on you know, playoffs and we were talking playoffs midway through the season. And I'm like, I, I was focused on each week, right? I was like, I couldn't think about something I had no experience with. And he always told me, he was like, listen, anytime we play the Patriots, you know, if you're a signal caller, you know, your helmet goes out, you know, something always happens. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, I'll, you know, whatever. So I kid you not, Chuck, I never told you this personally. I never told Min- Minuski this. The first quarter of that 2014 AFC Championship game, I called the game because I couldn't hear. You know, if you go back to I'm like this and it was literally I could hear him for a second and it was not that I'm blame. You know, I'm not blame. You know, whatever. Because of the circumstance, I don't know. 
but I couldn't hear any damn thing. So a lot of times I call my own freaking play based on the situation, based on the down and distance. And it was just a, it was just a cluster, you know, a cluster, you know, and make the interception. I tossed the ball and now it takes up a, a life of its own. You have anything to add to that? I don't, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but I have to just, you know, I have to <laughs> at this point. That's all. Cause just because of history, you know, <laughs> all the way back to Spygate mm-hmm. and coincidentally, you know, some of the footage they showed way back from those days when I was at Cleveland, uh-huh. coach Fazio was our D coordinator and I was on the field, uh-huh. Todd Bowles and I coached the secondary together and Bowles, he's, you know, Done a oh, you coach with Todd Bowles. I mean, wow. Yeah, we were together in the secondary. But you mentioned that secondary and the thirty-three interceptions and Anthony Henry, a rookie at that time. Yeah, Anthony Henry. Yeah, Florida. He had yeah. ten. He had ten interceptions that season as a rookie. Wow. Phenomenal. Dalen McCutcheon and yeah, Dalen. Uh, I know Dalen. Robert Griffith. You know Robert. I mean, we yeah. had a great there. But those pictures that they were showing back then of the sidelines and the the footage. You could see, yeah. you know, because I gave the secondary coverage and Foge signaled the front. I signaled the coverage in. So right. we were, you know, part of that. So all the history behind, you know, that and this and the, the headphones and the lock. Because it was like yeah. anytime you go to play up there, you yeah. sweep the locker room. You got to have your security come in. Yeah. You got to check for bugs. You got to check for this. Whether yeah. that's true or not, everybody was just, every team yeah. was alerted. Every team told mm-hmm. each other. And you, and all mm-hmm. that. And that's part of that whole, you know, patriot mystique. You can right. go up there and overthink all that crap, just right. like the ball, and all right. the focus is on all that shit, and right. not playing offense, defense, and special teams, and playing complimentary right. football. And the next thing you know, you, mm-hmm. you're, you get your ass kicked forty-five to seven, right. like you did. You right. know. So what I always yeah, it, yeah is like until we were in that locker room at the end of the game. Yeah. It wasn't the ball. With, with you know whatever words we said to each other in there, and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, we'll be back next year. Don't remember, don't forget this feeling that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then they came up to me and you know say, hey, look, we got this going on, and and I'm like, because I never you, you're engulfed in the game. yeah you know, right right you, no one right. I don't. We got our ass kicked. Yeah, we got our ass kicked. They Fair and square. Um, you know, no way, shape, or form did did that. The headset, this, that, and the other have anything to do Mm-mm. with that outcome. No doubt. No doubt. We played, we got our ass kicked that day. You know, no. I ultimate respect, you know, for that head coach, for that quarterback, for those teams and what they've done in the National Football League. I mean, that's unprecedented. For yeah, yeah. It, those two guys. And and we ran into a buzzsaw and we couldn't do anything about it that day. And it was just one of those, yeah. one of those deals and had nothing to do with that shit. No, I, I believe that I wholeheartedly agree with you. It had nothing to do with the actual football. We just got outplayed. Um, I don't think you know. I haven't watched, gone back and watched that game because there, there was a there was a play that just really I didn't really figure it out. With I think the NFL ended up changing a rule based on an offensive lineman reporting, and I still don't fully understand what happened. And I just couldn't figure it out during the game. I couldn't figure it out. So that's one of those moments of the game. Was like. Damn, I let you down. I let my teammates down. And it was something they ended up scoring on it. The offensive line lineman, I don't remember what his name was, but he scored a he had a touchdown pass. And I think I lined the defense up wrong. So there was a lot of things that happened throughout the course of that game that the ball being underinflated away, it, that's bogus. You still have to line up and play every game, every snap. So I, I'm agree, I agree with you on that. Um but, you know, you mentioned out of all the great things that you've done throughout the National Football League, that special teams play comes up and literally people will identify me with deflate gate. So it, now I have fun with it. You know, it's like whatever. Like, so let me ask you, wh- what happened to that football? You, do you do you understand Christina at the time? She was working for a lobbyist group here in D.C. And I met with so many. I wanted that football just to put on my mantle here in front of over my fire pit, just say, you know what, this is the biggest game of my career at this point. You know, I made a play and, you know, I get to show King, but I, I, I've been trying Chuck for many years to try to get a hold of this football. No one has ever, the NFL never interviewed me about the, 
you know, mystique or what happened that day or what have you. You have any freaking idea? Like trying to find Al Capone? Yeah, yeah. I want that football, man. I have I, I have like 25 footballs over here with – the swamp, <laughs> you know, under the Verrazano Bridge, you know. Oh man! Oh my others, goodness! You know, but I have no no idea. No, nah, no, nah, Chuck, I I really appreciate it, man. And at this part, I'm gonna let you go here. But before I let anyone any one of my guests go, I have what I call my pick six. It's like I I ask you six random questions. Uh, they have nothing to do with anything, and you know, I just have a little fun with it. Just you know, way I get to know the guests. Uh, so my very first question for you and my pick six is, uh, I ask every guest this, uh, so what's your favorite movie or sitcom to watch? Favorite movie is probably Shawshank Redemption. Okay. 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 I thought you were going to say Sopranos or something like that. You know? uh, Shawshank. <laughs> it's like, All right. was, you know. <laughs> Dances with Wool. Every time that Shawshank's on like TNT or whatever, <laughs> I'll watch it. I've seen it a thousand times. Hey man, use your HBO, man. I know you got HBO in that house, man. You you made a, you made a good living, man. You got you don't need any commercial breaks, man. You know it's all the Netflix stuff, but I, I love it. <laughs> all right, that's cool. That's cool. All right. So Shawshank. So um this is gonna date you a little bit. I'm I'm I apologize up front. So who performed at the last concert you attended? It's question number two. Can you remember that far back? That's a classic. Um, I know it had to be. It is okay. probably during your like in college Cleveland. years. We were in Cleveland, and I took uh -huh. my young daughters to see Britney Spears. Okay, okay, all right. So, okay. All right. I appreciate that. Did you enjoy it? Did you actually enjoy it? <laughs> no, the last one was, that was a long time ago. The very last one. Kenny Chesney concert in okay okay I was gonna that, that was gonna be one of my guests in Boise, that was gonna be one of my guests and, and Kenny's a, a, a close friend and he's been very very kind to me and you know he played in sure. Indy when we were there so we got to go mm. meet him and go backstage and things like that so oh that's yeah, cool man Kenny that's Chesney cool. all right all right I'm a, Kenny Chesney and Britney Spears I like that I like that <laughs> so uh question number three of the pick six uh because you spent so much time in the NFL and you know, I feel like you're a great judge of uh, you have a great eye to to spot either a player or a coach. So my question to you is, are there any up and coming coaches we all should know about or keep on our radar in terms of, you know, that's coming up the ranks in, in the National Football League? Anyone anyone sticks out to you? Any name jumps out to you? Well, that's a hard one because I, I would be. I know you have. So, I know. I'd be remiss if I don't mention. You know, because mm -hmm. you know, like you know, so many players and coaches, and I and I've got, I've, you know, I know so many players and coaches. I hate to just single, you know, uh, you know, one one guy out, but I, I I completely understand. You know, there's obviously I know I know a bunch of uh, a bunch mm -hmm. of them. Um, there's such don't worry about it. I, I don't want to put you on the spot. That's why I, I had to ask you. I don't want to put you on the spot. I don't want you to because you have a ton of uh, you have a PhD in coaches, so. I, I, I had to you know I played pops is coaching at Chicago. I know, I know. I saw him uh, last week when uh, so I, I reached out to him the week before because I, I watched some film on on uh, Chicago. I was like, bro, you, your secondary has to do a better job. You're leaving guys <laughs> scot free. They're running scot free. They're wide open. There's no one within ten yards. So you know, I was like, it's terrible. And you know, he had all everything to say or whatever. But yeah. Uh, he, he he's enjoying it. So I had a chance to talk to him. He's actually the guy who gives the personnel. And yeah. So you know, we had a conversation. You know, do you know how hard that job is? Hell yeah. I so he actually said it to me. He was like, dude, I really have a newfound appreciation for because we used to complain. Oh, give, give us, us a, a give us a call. What the fuck? Oh, what are they in? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the hardest job in the damn box. Hell yeah. Hell yeah! You know what personnel group, and especially when you play like the Saints, and they uh, don't signal the personnel groups, and they're running multiple bodies in and out. I mean, it's right. Nice. I never really paid attention to that aspect of it because I'm I'm focused on who's giving me the call. But he actually said some teams will walk two guys out, and literally one guy will run back to the 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 sideline, and the other guy would run in. So now you have to oh you know figure it out, and then that communication kind of lags or what have you. So, 
Yeah, he actually, I actually learned something, you know, and from him, hard, which is harder. It's harder now because they've relaxed the jersey number rules. Right. So now right. people can wear whatever jersey number. So offense and defensive guys that are trying to identify guys, they're they're trying to learn new numbers because we've got all their jerseys memorized. Right. You know, new right. that hey, when this certain number comes in, it's got to be a tight end. It's got to be a running back, et cetera. So that's a yeah. Yeah, that, that's a tough deal. That's a definitely a tough deal. I saw a game last night. A receiver was wearing number 39. I'm like, what? I don't want to be a part of that. Uh, so question. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. All right, so question number four. Um, because you and I know just how detailed it is to be a player, coach, and you literally have to know your schedule from the time you wake up until, you know, for a player standpoint, the day ends a lot earlier than a coach. But you have to be on point with the scheduling. Um, I figured this would be a good question. I don't know. What's your biggest pet peeve? You have a pet peeve where you just cannot. I know for me, I'll let you give you some time to think. I know for me, if you if you're in a room in our house, and if something is out of place, put it back in place, please. Put your put your put your put your cup or your 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 bowl in the sink. If King has toys all over the place. Put it, put it in his toy bin. Like I, that drives me crazy. I have to have a clean space, you know. But I, I figured I had to ask you this question because you're you're such, you know, you've been uh, you know, a guy that's you know done it for a very long time and bought a book and you're very detailed. So I figured that would be interesting enough. Yeah, probably. I don't, I don't get how <laughs> you know guys don't know where they're supposed to be. You know, I'm right. supposed to be there. I'm like, you know, right. uh, I drive my wife crazy with it <laughs> yeah. because the hardest thing for me is to stop going. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. gotta be, I gotta be do something every, you know, every second of every, every day. And she doesn't, yes. I know what her, yes, me, but you know, <laughs> right, right. there's just some things that you know, <laughs> didn't understand. Like you're getting used to life now, man. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the players you played with and some oh. of the and things like uh. I just didn't understand that okay why aren't we doing everything we can be doing <laughs> right, successful right. as team successful and it just be where you're supposed to be yes like, so it was late for something yes uh, more you can make a mistake because as long as i know you're trying and you're giving everything you're right. supposed to give and you're practicing and you, you knew this right. as a player that, you yes. know I could I could deal with a guy that I knew was was given everything he had and you know mm-hmm. he made but right you know guy oversleeping or a guy being late to work you know or just not being where he's supposed to be that just blew yeah. my mind that that man listen that to me bro you know what really irked me the wrong way when I got to Indy was I felt like I got a sense of people because they knew we had twelve on the other side. There was a sense of sense of like calmness, like, oh, we're gonna be in every game. I hated to hear there's a guy who just recently passed away. Uh, he's a great friend of mine, and he had actually helped me out of a dark place, a guy named Trevor Moab. And he was about like the mental conditioning of the athlete. And I experienced that over almost a decade ago. And he always would say this one thing to me that still stands with me to the day, to, to this day. Be careful what you say to yourself because you're listening. And the more you speak something, you start to listen to yourself. So that that drove me freaking crazy. The sense of urgency for me, I was like, wait, we got 12. We need to do everything we possibly can. So that's probably why we we connect here. man. I, it drove me crazy. It really did. I was like, this is a gold golden ticket. Like we need to do everything we can to make sure this guy's upright, playing well. We need to do, you know. Just I, I, it, it bothered me. It, it really bothered me. Just as lucky as we were to play and coach in a national football league, mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't take it for granted. I don't believe mm-hmm. I ever, ever did, but no, some of the, the lack of urgency, as you put it, you know, the sense of like, just guys like that, that tap is not always going to be running full bore, you know, right. we get, hey, right. we're not promised anything. We're not this right. league. I mean, that's, no. That's why I think I wouldn't be a good at one point or another. I thought I wanted to be a part of like the scouting and GM, but I don't think I would have, I don't think I would be good because I don't have the patience for beat bullshit. Like if a guy, like if a guy's consistently just showing me, he doesn't want to be here, get rid of him. And I don't think I would be liked. (laughs) 
you know, for that that one reason. So, you know, let, let's move on, man. I know you got to get out of here. Uh, so because I know you and I know just how much you love, um, you know, Saturdays before the game, we're traveling, you know, how many. So I have to ask you this. You don't have to answer. How many pairs of Ferragamos do you fucking own, man? <laughs> I used to have <laughs> no. <laughs> I used to have a bunch of pairs, but since I don't like need them anymore, I, <laughs> right. you got to find a reason to put them all. Yeah, I get my, it. My, my wife has has discovered this uh, Facebook Marketplace and these other places. <laughs> so I come home and I see pictures of my stuff on the internet and my fair. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, she's like, you don't wear these anymore. <laughs> she's selling them. I said, well, what are you selling them for? Do you? <laughs> Because they're worth way more to you and I than just <laughs> right. No know? doubt, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> I think I'm down to, I think I'm down to three or four pairs now. All right, that's that's good. I, that's I that's Mr. good. Ferragamos. Yeah, I know you love your Ferragamos. And last but not least, to finish up, um, question number six of the pick six is this is more of a, I want to end on this note. So we 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 touched on it earlier. Uh, when I walked into the building, there was three things that stood out to me was. The three F's, right? It's like family, faith, and football. And now that football isn't is in the rear view, let's say that, you know, I want you to fill in the blank. What, 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 what? How do you fill in the blank with that? What's next for you? Family, faith, and I want you to fill in the blank for that, you know, instead of football. Yeah, that's that's a that's a hard one because I don't know. Yeah, I don't think you can ever yeah. replace that one, DQ. Yeah. I think if somebody asked yeah. you the same thing. You know, yeah. I don't think you can replace that because, you know, you mentioned moments, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what we played and why we coached was for those moments. You know, those five minutes in the locker room after a, after a huge win, you know, so it's probably, right. you know, faith, family, right. and, and golf and gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I'm just being no, listen, man. Listen, it, it's know, all with nice cab, a nice red yeah. wine, you know, yeah. with a nice steak, you know. We, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that's you, 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 do you still drink your uh, what, what's your drink? Uh, Crown Royal is that your drink? Oh, way too much. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, my bad, my bad. You know, my bad, my bad, my was, bad. Win or lose, we booze, right? <laughs> right. It's the only way you get, get through this, <laughs> you know no doubt, you know? no doubt. Now it's a great it's a great question. I don't think you can ever replace, you know, what yeah. we had, you know, right. when we had right. it. You know, those yeah. those moments and those teams and those locker rooms, that brotherhood, that's that's irreplaceable. But you yeah. know, you try to yeah. find, you know, the the golf and some other fun things. It's probably yeah. family, family. You know, just as much right, as that, right, much right, right. Well, hey, hey, Chuck, I, I'm I'm going to let you go. I promise you right now. Uh, I appreciate your time, your perspective as always. Uh, you know, I love you, man. Let's keep in touch as always. And maybe one of these days I, I find myself in Boise and we can have some some uh, a good cab and a good steak. And if you're ever in D.C., if I ever hear you're in D.C. and if you don't hit me up, I'm going to be highly pissed. All right. But uh, give my best to Tina, um, your, 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 your daughters, uh, Bear Charles. Uh, I'm happy for you, man, and I can't thank you enough for doing this and spending time with me on Athletes Unplugged. So I really appreciate it, Chuck. Love you, brother. I love you too. Thank you, DQ.